my finances, investing, estate and retirement planning? Well, we went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances and with Kathy and Norma. Welcome to Finances and Money Scripts. We went to school so you don't have to. I'm Norma and I'm here with Kathy. Today we wanted to talk about money scripts, the different types, and how we can change these attitudes and relationships with money. I'm super excited about this topic today because it's part of my financial therapy degree. What is financial therapy in general? And it's the evaluation and treatment of the individual person's economic health. And so it looks at maybe helping you with your poor money management skills. Maybe you're an overspender. Maybe and most likely there's partner conflict, but there also could be gambling or hoarding problems as well. And all of this is based on your attitudes and your relationships with money. But specifically, money scripts are the underlying assumptions or beliefs that we have as individuals about money. And they're often developed in our childhood and unconsciously we follow them throughout adulthood. It's, it's what you saw as a kid. So it's the thing you do as an adult. It's also passed down generationally. And you can imagine that if you're doing what your parents did and they're doing what their parents did. And it can also be culturally based. So depending on what your culture's relationship with money, that might also be something that affects it. For example, I know in my own family, we did a lot of buying something on sale and maybe buying a lot of it on sale and having to eat eat that until we were done with it. So that's a thing that I know as I grew up, I have that tendency to want to do something like that. And it really is unconscious choices because we've been exposed to them. We tend to repeat them. Research has found that our scripts are often associated with our income, our net worth, our credit card habits and other debt, and then our financial behaviors. There is a text called Financial Wisdom of Ebenezer Scrooge by Dr. Klontz, and he's where this information has come from. It's a terrific book because it helps you look at a character, which is only a character, and his relationship with money. And then you can start to see if you also have some of those similar relationships with money. So money scripts have been categorized in four different areas. The first one we're going to talk about is money avoidance. And money avoidance is exactly what it sounds like. You just try to avoid the topic of money. Usually this is saved for people who can afford to avoid the topic of money because they have a lot of it. They don't really have to think a lot about it. And that's generally what this particular bucket is about. They don't think about it. They don't really look at their bank statements. They end up spending a lot. They don't really like budgeting. And yeah, I know I had known someone at one point in life who happened to mention to me that they just spend what's in their account. They don't look at it. They don't think about it. They don't check their charges. They don't do anything. And I thought to myself, well, it must be nice like not to have to think about it. I wonder how much is left in my account. They really just bought what they wanted. And this was definitely an affluent couple, at least just from my observation. And they seemed to have a lot. They had, you know, pretty high paying jobs from my understanding. And they really just didn't need to think about it. And so they didn't. They just avoided the whole topic altogether. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it. I mean, the way I look at it, if you're not living in a box and you're doing pretty okay. So, you know, if you're not really thinking about it, that's really okay. It's certainly not my cup of tea, mainly because I like to know where I'm headed. I like to make sure that I'm set up for retirement. I mean, clearly we would not have gone into this field of study if we didn't care about personal finance. And I just want to say that, again, money avoidance is not necessarily a bad thing, but you need some type of pulse on what your money situation is just so that you can prepare for an emergency, so that you could plan for maybe a college fund for your kids or something to that effect. 
So you can prepare for retirement, which is really, in my opinion, the ultimate goal. It's certainly been my recent obsession. And there's no way that I can do that and avoid money and avoid the money thoughts and the money, you know, the financial statements. There's there's just it's very difficult to plan if you fall entirely in this bucket. And not suggesting that this couple you're describing, but the the negative to that is if you avoid it until you have nothing, that's a problem. So if you're just spending and not checking and not budgeting and not not being aware of what you have, you can run out of it at a certain point, too. So I think that's a big part of the fear of money avoiders. Or you can get divorced, as in in their case. And then from my understanding, (laughs) uh, from my understanding, the woman had to quickly get back in touch with reality once that happened. And, And it was very difficult for her because she had spent her marriage having that cushion and and being able to not be in touch with what was in the account because they had a dual income home, you know, a high one at that. And they didn't have to really worry about it. So yeah, definitely. Um, I think she's a money avoider now. <laughs> well, and you want to know what you brought up, what we're going to end with here is that that's why money problems are in relationships, especially if you're one, if you follow one kind of script in your life and your spouse follows another one, that, that can be a huge problem. The next one we want to talk about is money worship. Again, I think that the name of it lets us know what it's about. You believe that you're going to be happier the more money you have and that money is the solution to everything. And reality research shows that anyone who makes more than $75,000 a year, the increment in their happiness becomes very small. But really, it comes down to I'm not talking about those whose basic needs are not being met. That's not money worship. If you're, you know, you're hustling and scraping to make sure that you have enough, that's not who we're talking about here for money worship. But it's someone who believes that all of their needs will be met with more money and then they will be happier and that they're never really going to be able to afford what they want in life. They start to associate their safety and happiness and power only with money. And this can often be young, single people, uh, people who have a high credit card balance and generally have a low net worth at that time. They sort of think life is short and um, that they need to try to do everything they can to spend their money. You're going to also find that these people tend to be people who work long hours and work very hard and they will spend their money to show their love for other people. And so they might lead to becoming a workaholic and or becoming a hoarder. They often also will experience something called buyer's remorse, where they find the excitement in buying something, but regretting that spend later because now they have less money. If you're someone who falls into this category and uses money to show that you love another person, you're using it to show love to them, maybe you could find ways of actually just being with that person. You also can, if you're interested in spending your money, spend it on a charity. And in that way, that buyer's remorse can be minimized because even though you don't have that thing, but you have helped somebody else, which of course is what everybody's doing right now anyway, right? Trying to, to help other people in some way, whether you're making something or you're spending your money for it. So donating to a charity is a good option for them. So then there's money status. And when I think of money status, I think of the movie Cinderella Man. So money status is someone that's just showy. Maybe they don't necessarily actually have a lot of money, but they want you to think that they do. They may have a name brand, you know, purse or, you know, red bottom shoes or, you know, one of those, you know, just a showy item just so that they have their status shown as, again, somebody that either has a lot of money, makes a lot of money, you know, somebody with name brands. So again, when I say I think of the movie Cinderella Man, there was a scene in that movie where boxers, 
trainer or, you know, manager, manager actually was in suits and he was always well-dressed and the wife didn't want the boxer to fight. Anyway, she goes to visit the guy at the house to try to reason with him to see if, you know, he could stop her husband from fighting. And when she walks in, the apartment was completely empty and they just had two chairs and a table, him and his wife. And they were very well-dressed. And I think the only thing they kept was a tea set or something. And he said he had actually sold everything so that he could help support her husband. And because they needed the money and so that he would fight. So again, he kept up this appearance with everyone. But really, when you went in his house, all they had was the two table and chairs. So that that is money status. When again, you're showing that you have a lot, but you may not necessarily have a lot. The last one of these money scripts is money vigilance. And this one might sound like the one that you want to be, but there's negatives to it as well. It's someone who's watchful and alert and concerned about their finances. But they might have anxiety around finances and even be distrustful of others around their money. Even though about 50% of us believe it's okay to lie to your spouse about your finances, the vigilant people do not. Money vigilant people feel it's necessary to save, but they don't necessarily enjoy saving because they are in the act of saving something. They want cash more than credit, and they often are seeking a higher net worth as well. What they might want to do is set a budget for having fun so that your spending of it is encouraged. You want to make sure that you are allowing yourself to save, to to spend your money and not just have to save it. And it could be for small things. It could be massages or maybe a small trip. But the idea is that as a money vigilant person, you're going to commit to feeling gratitude and joy, not just the saving of your money for saving's sake. Vigilance is good. But when it turns into anxiety or hoarding, then you've gone too far for it. You need to, if you feel like you have to check your finances every hour, then you're probably one of those people. And you need to consider not stopping checking because we've already said checking on your budgeting and stuff is is a great idea, but maybe you want to cut that in half somehow. You can imagine right now that marrying somebody who's money vigilant and somebody who's money status can run into problems. And so that's the reason for making sure that you're talking to your kids, your family about what your different beliefs are so that you guys can come to an You don't have to change each other's opinion about it, but just to be aware of it. We don't talk to our kids enough about money. We might give them the little here's 23 cents and you have enough money to buy this. But we need to be explaining to them why we make the choices that we make make, why we make the choices we make. Maybe it will help us shine a light on some of our shortcomings, but also it could be something where you're helping your children make better choices as they become adults, because there's not a good thing about money and there's not a bad thing about money. We need to be able to enjoy it and put it to work like we need it to work, but it's not a good or bad thing. So this information comes from Dr. Klontz. He came up with this a money script inventory. And you can take this inventory yourself if you go to mentalwealth.com. Again, mental wealth. And the script, there's about 32 questions. And you can start to look at where do you fall on this scale. It allows you to see what you're leaning towards as you assess your underlying beliefs about money. And then you can help yourself make changes to improve your choices if there's some area that you need to improve on. You can also take your time and write down situations or behaviors that you find yourself in that you are not happy with about money and then be able to reflect on that and see how you could have made a different choice regards to it. 
The bottom line is you need to be more engaged with your money and your choices and know why you're making the choices that you are. Are you happy or do you want to change? The Financial Therapy Association will help you meet with somebody if you're interested in meeting with a therapist about your finances and you can reach them at financialtherapyassociation.org and they can help you find a therapist that will help promote your financial health and they'll have the cutting edge research practices and training to help you do that. Some strategies that you can use to change your money script if that's what you want. You can become financially informed, as they say. So just know what's going on. Have an idea of where your money's going. Not necessarily a budget, although a budget is definitely a great way to do this, but just kind of have an idea of, you know, what are your bills? What are you, you know, especially if you're on auto pay, you may not even know what your light bill is, what your, you know, what your water bill is. Become informed. Sit down maybe and actually just take a look at what your bank statement looks like, your credit statement looks like so that you can see where your money's actually going. Check what your 401k contribution is. You know, there's a lot of ways to just kind of take a quick look at, you know, at at, at what's happening in your financial life. You can start setting goals and reward yourself for achieving those goals. So again, just money goals like, oh, this week I didn't go to Starbucks or I this week I didn't I didn't buy any shoes at all this week and that was your goal and you accomplished it. You know, whatever it is. And again, it would just be dependent on wherever you fall in there. You can also just ask yourself, you know, why am I buying this? There was a time a few years ago, I actually recall I had, a, you know, a money buddy and I basically would run things that weren't food past her. And I'd say, do I need mulch? And she just, you know, and she'd go, okay, can you wait a month? You know, I could probably wait a month. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's what I did. And so for a month, I just ran all my, you know, purchases that weren't food related past this particular friend. And she helped me really think about, do I need this or do I want this or can this wait? And, you know, and that would be running basically, you know, your, your monthly spending or your purchases, however you want to do it, you know, running it past a friend or your partner. That is really, you know, a way that you can change, you know, how you think about things is I know it definitely made me second guess at it. it certainly wasn't going to text my friend three times a day, you know, as I was running through my errands. But it made me really categorize, you know, a need versus a want and be able to distinguish, you know, what I really didn't have to buy right this second. I love that idea. I think that married people have that built in person where maybe there's a threshold. I won't spend over $300 unless we communicate with each other about what that is. And as single people, there's there is not that person to bounce ideas off of. But I love your idea of having just a money buddy where you can say, you know, I'm just going to ask you and And even that you said to yourself, I'm not going to ask her about this one. I'm just going to not do it because I've already asked about something else. I I love it. All of these scripts have benefits and all of them taken to the extreme have negatives. And so again, you're just trying to find out which way do you tend to lean? And then if there are things that you don't like about it, that you can improve those things. Thanks for listening to Finances and Money Scripts. We know you chose to listen today and we are grateful. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share, and review for us. It helps us get listeners and it makes it easier for others to find us, as well as it helps us spread the word about financial literacy. Please let us know what you think on Facebook or by going to our website at financesand.net. Finances and does not provide legal or tax advice, and nothing in this podcast is to be construed as such. Always consult a tax, accounting, or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. Remember, we went to school so you don't have to.